Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And to my left, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our retirement rescue game plan. And what that is, ladies and gentlemen, is it's a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And you may be asking yourself, how can I get my hands on that? And you can get it by going to warrenwealth.net. Go to the site, put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. That is warrenwealth.net. All right, on to the show. So we are, um, it's February 20th, only eight more days. It's not a leap year, right? Only eight more days of February. No, no I don't it's think it's a leap year. All right, only eight more days of, of February, and we're already uh, closing the door on the second month of 2022. I feel like I say this a lot, that um, we uh, we just, this year, the year just goes, it goes faster. I guess as you get older, the, uh, the um, days, the weeks, the months, the years go faster, but it's wild. Um, but I tell you what, you got to be prepared for uh, those fast moving years, because uh, as you approach retirement, bam, it's already there. You know what I mean? Except but for you, you got a long time. It always seems like January is pretty long, and then you blink your eyes and it's over. February's over. Yeah. It's already well, I mean, March. It is three days shorter than yeah. uh, January. I know, but still. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's get into some money matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. money. All right, so, um, you know, we all get uh, sentimental from, from time to time, but uh, unless you, you hit the lottery or you found your one true love, uh, we're probably not going to look back at, at 2021 all too fondly, I, I would say. Um, you know, the pandemic is, is still here, and, of course, uh, we have inflation now. Um and really, although everybody's retirement is different, um, you know, 2022, we're going to see some, uh, you should see some big differences from 2021 that basically is going to affect a lot of retirees and retiree savers to some degree or, uh, or another. Um, you know, a lot of uh, retirees, you'll see your uh, taxes maybe creep up depending on what you're pulling out from your uh, retirement accounts. Um deductions uh, are always changing. We're going to talk about those. Um, you're getting a bump uh, in Social Security. Uh, that's a good thing uh, this year, um, especially if you're already collecting benefits. Uh, so you'll be able to 
sock away hopefully a bit more uh, in your retirement accounts with some increased uh, uh, contributions. Uh, but let's uh, let's take a deeper dive and look at all look at all these things that are coming up in, in 2022 um, and some some of the things that that you need to know. I'll tell you what you need to know though is that um, a lot of the things I'm going to talk about that uh, are good in regards to retirement savings. Um, they're going to come with a few buts, um, you know, and so I'm going to give you, uh, you know, the good news, but there's going to be, um, something coming after that, that might pull away from, uh, some of that good news I'm going to give you. All right. Um, so, you know, be ready for those. Is this like one of those instances when like you're talking to someone and you're saying, you know, you're complimenting them. You're saying, hey, you do a really good job at this, but. But. And then it, yes. it negates what you just said. Well, kind of. I mean, it, I mean I'll, I'll let the audience be the oh, judge okay. of that, but there's going to be some big butts in these things. Um, and, and speaking of that, um, you know, we'll just go ahead and call this segment. Yeah. There you go. You like that? You like that there? The Alvin so, and the Chipmunks? Yeah, that was Theodore right there. Okay. You want to hear it again? So uh, there are going to be a few big butts um, in these um, in these comments. So let's start here. Let's start with taxes real quick. So um, the good news is that the uh, uh, your standard deduction uh, is going to go up, and generally it goes up um, uh, every every year. But the higher your standard deductions, uh, the uh, less you have to pay in. An income tax for the most part. Now, let me do this real quick. Let, let me talk about um, standard deductions and itemizing deductions when you itemize deductions because there always seems to be some confusion in regards to um, the way that uh, taxpayers present their deductions to their, their tax professional. And so you have... Your standard deduction on one side, and if you want to itemize, you can itemize on the other. Now, with your itemized deductions, you get to deduct things like home mortgage interest, uh, charity. Uh, you get to deduct um, um, what else? Uh, your state and local taxes to some extent, and your your medical uh, expenses. Um, and that's good. And you add those all up, and then you have your itemized deductions. However, if your itemized deductions aren't as big or as large as your standard deduction, then it only makes sense mathematically to take the standard deduction. All right. Um, a lot of people, you know, turn in all these receipts and their medical expenses, and they think that that is always going to be deducted from their uh, taxable income. And the deal is a lot of times, and actually 90% of the times, maybe 95% of the time, it's not because the standard deduction always is bigger and it's always best to take that standard deduction. Now, that doesn't mean you should never try to turn in your uh, uh, medical expenses or mortgage interest because one of these days or maybe sometimes it is higher. But most of the time you're going to take that standard deduction. So, that standard deduction for really for tax year 2021. So if you're filing taxes this year, um, if you're married, you get a standard deduction of $25,100. So if you don't have itemized deductions over that, then it only makes sense to take that $25,100 against your taxable income. If you're single, <clears throat> it's basically half of that. 
All right. And moving into 2022, that is going to go up. So that standard deduction in 2022, when you file taxes in 2023, is going to go up about $800 for people who file uh, jointly, uh, married couples, uh, to $25,900. And it's going to go up for uh, the single people out there about 400 bucks. So you will be getting... Um, a whopping uh, 3% increase. Yes, honey, a whopping 3% increase. There you go. Oh, by the way, if you're 65 years uh, or older, um, you get, uh, in addition to your... Uh, that standard deduction, you get uh, a little extra bump. And so uh, for if you're filing taxes this year for last year, um, if you're over 65 and you're married, uh, you both get uh, about 1350 bucks a piece to add on to that standard deduction. So that's a pretty significant standard deduction over there. And if you're single um, and over 65, you get an extra <clears throat> $1,700 to add to that standard deduction. Not pretty bad. And that's going to go up about 50 bucks next year uh, or, or yeah, well, or this year when you file for, for uh, if you file in 2023 for 2022. All right. So those are the standard deductions. But like I said, but so there's uh, your special charitable deduction goes away. And so what is that? Most people are like, what, what is my special charitable deduction, Marcus? Well, um, there, were used, there was a temporary tax break that allowed uh, many uh, Americans or taxpayers to easily write off the donations, uh, your, your donations for, um, for 2021. But that is going away for this year. Um, so this is the last year. So if you're filing taxes now, you get to take this above the line charitable deduction where you're able to deduct 300 bucks uh, if you're single or 600 bucks if you are married uh, in any kind of cash contributions that you made to a church or charity or something like that. Um, and uh, that's, that's, uh, that's there now. But like I said, but it is gone. That's going to go away. Um, and you're going to have to figure that into the itemized deductions that I talked about earlier and most people, like I said, it doesn't really affect them because most people are taking the standard deduction. Now, that doesn't mean you should stop giving to your evangelical church or your Catholic church or whatever church you, you go to. You shouldn't do that or give money to the Salvation Army or the Goodwill. Just understand that as you're doing that this year, it's not going to be above the line anymore. Um, you're going to have to see if you can uh, come up with a bunch of deductions to overtake that standard deduction. But there you go. All right. What else do I want to talk about? Um, let's talk about, uh, oh, let's talk about uh, inflation. Um, and not so much inflation. Uh, we're going to talk about inflation from a standpoint of what that does for people who are taking their Social Security benefits. Because you, my friends, you get a bump. And what do I mean by that? You get a cost of living adjustment. Um, and then you get a bigger paycheck. And so, the Social Security Administration, or the government, is giving uh, people who are taking Social Security, you're getting a 5.9% pay raise. And you probably have started to see that on your Social Security checks if you're, if you're receiving those. Basically, it's the, uh, it's the biggest uh, cost of living adjustment in 30, 30 years, since 82. Um, and uh, that's, that's good news um, because everyone, everyone loves the extra money. 
would you say 40 years? That's no. 40 years. 82? 82 is 40 years Jesus, ago. Jesus, that's right. Mm-hmm. Godly, that's right. Oh my gosh, I'm so old. But um, so that basically means you, if, if the, the, average, uh, the average check is going to go up about 92 bucks a month. Okay. Um, so that's not bad. That's not, uh, that's not anything to sneeze on uh, because that's, uh, that's good stuff. Now, there's always a but. But, but. Inflation. And uh, inflation is running right now 7.5%. And so um, that 5.9% is um, not, still not going to value uh, the goods and services, the same amount of goods and services that it did uh, last year or even the year before that. And then in addition to that, your Medicare Part B premiums are going up in 2022, and they're going up about 14.5%. And so to put dollars to that, uh, basically for 65 years old, you're claiming Social Security, Medicare B premiums are already deducted directly uh, from your monthly check. And so those premiums are going to rise, like I said, 14%. So um, you were paying about $148 um, each, uh, each month, and that is jumping up $26, or sorry, $21. And now you're going to be paying $170 is going to Medicare Part B premiums for 2022. And so, um, like I said, uh, a lot of times these things, they giveth and then they taketh away. You know, like I said, I told you there was going to be, um, you know, a lot of a lot of butts, you know, which erases everything else. Just like you said. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. But uh, moving on. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, behavioral finance and cognitive issues in regards to retirement. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Oh, yeah, here we go. So, this is Nirvana. Kurt Cobain. This song came out in... 1991. Number six in the U.S., number seven in the U.K. Top ten hits all across the board. Pretty good. Uh, We have Dave Grohl. He's a drummer. Mm -hmm. Now he's a Foo Fighter. There you go. Foo Fighter fame. Mm -hmm. I bet. And uh, why are we playing this song here? Uh, Kurt Cobain was born on this day. Born on this day. In 1967. There you go. So he would have... Been, I can't do the math on that. Me neither. Um, Three. Let's see. He's five, older than me. So. 55? Yeah. Whoa, jeez. Tell you, time flies. I thought 82 was 30 years ago. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. And yeah, that, I mean, time does, uh, does fly because I would have. You know, I said 82 and I said 30 years ago earlier right. and it was 40 years ago. And I should know that because I know how old I am. And I was, um, what, nine or so years old in 82. So there you, there you go. I'm a lot older than 40 years old. But uh, anyway. All right. So um, let's do this. I said we were going to talk about behavioral finance. And, you know, when you think about it, let's, let's talk about a few things. So over the last um, 40 years or so. 
there's been a lot of advances uh, in investments, uh, investment offerings, technology, um, and they've basically provided investors with far more opportunities to invest in stocks and bonds compared to what compared to in the past. Um, you know, your laptops, you got your laptops, uh, <clears throat> you can invest in all markets around the world. Um, mutual fund and exchange traded funds or ETFs, their expense ratios have been going down. Um, many index mutual funds, uh, have zero close to zero expense ratios. Um, uh, of course, you know, Congress, they've, uh, um, have come up with uh, all these tax advantaged accounts like IRAs, the Roth, 401ks, 529 plans, HSAs to encourage people to invest uh, while also saving uh, on taxes. Um, and then, of course, even more recently, uh, a lot of these brokerage firms they no longer even charge trading commissions on stocks and things of that nature. Um, but given all these advances, you would think that investors, that you all would have gotten better at earning your fair share of these investment returns. But, ooh, but you may be surprised to learn that most individual investors still significantly underperform the market averages. All those Benefits, all those advantages now, fees almost zero on a lot of these things. You would think that an individual investor returns would go up, but that's not the case. Why is that not the case? Well, Dalbar, there's a study done every year that Dalbar does. And as of last year, the average equity mutual fund investor underperformed the S&P 500, which is a benchmark for U.S. stocks, by nearly 5% annually over a 30-year time frame. 5%. And so what does that mean? Let's put that in dollars. All right? Dollars. Cash money. Dollars. All right? So if you had a $100,000 initial investment and you're the average individual investor over a 30-year time frame, you would have, that $100,000 would have grown to $437,161. Not bad, okay? But, but, the S&P 500, S&P 500, $100,000 in there, right? Same $100,000. S&P 500, $1.726 million, $1.7 okay. million, okay. right? The average individual investor. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. So what explains the underperformance? Well, I think, well, I think part of it is just that many investors trade just way too much, right? Way too much, pay a, lunch, a bunch in transaction fees, they still have these high expense ratios. And then, of course, they pay unnecessary taxes. That's one explanation. But the bigger explanation, the bigger part of it, relates to psychology or behavioral finance. So what I want to do is I want to uh, discuss and emphasize six 
aspects of investor psychology. Um, and these are known as cognitive biases. Um, and you may have heard these before that tend to hurt the average investor performance. Yes, that's right. You on the other end of that speaker, you are average. And I'm going to hopefully tell you what you can do to address some of these, uh, cognitive biases that, that you may have. So let's start with the first one here. First one is overconfidence, which is basically overestimating your skills or circumstances. And what that does is it interferes with your ability to make good decisions. For example, when you're evaluating a particular investment, you may feel really, really confident that you have much better analysis than the general market, which you don't, right? Well, I mean, unless you're a member of Congress, then you probably do have the inside scoop and better analysis on uh, those stocks, but you're not, all right? So that's an overconfidence, thinking that you know what's going on, thinking that you know you can time the market. Got to get away from the overconfidence. And then, of course, the next one, another cognitive bias is just loss aversion. And so that's the tendency to be driven more strongly to avoid losses than to achieve gains. For example, even when you present it with a better investment opportunity, you may decide to keep holding a stock that's declined in value until it can be sold again, right? You're just waiting for it to go up until it can be sold again at a gain down in value, but you're just going to wait until it goes back up. I mean, I've spoken with investors, um, and I've given them fantastic, I tell you, fantastic investment ideas. But they just can't let go of, let's say, that GE stock. Right? Because Marcus, you just never know. Jack Welch, you know, he may come back and run the company again. I'm like, what? Um, I don't have the heart to tell him that Jack Welch died a couple of years ago, but, you know. That's that cognitive bias that you just can't get through. It is what it is. And then you have confirmation bias, right? And that's just the tendency to seek out and interpret information that confirms just your, your beliefs, your strengths, and your existing beliefs. For example, you know, after you make a, a decision to invest in a, in a particular stock, um, uh, generally what investors do <clears throat> who have confirmation bias, they actively search for news and analysis that supports the, their decision to invest in that particular stock as opposed to considering uh, other news or uh, alternative uh, uh, analysis. And really people do this in, in, in all forms, right? Investments, religions, politics. Um, that's why people stay in their bubbles. Um, you know, they just watch uh, Fox News or, or, or MSNBC, um, you know, heck, the, the, the Zuckerverse, right, a.k.a. Facebook, a.k.a. Meta, right? They have an algorithm that keeps people in their bubbles, but that's confirmation bias. Then you got recency bias, right? Recency bias, and that's basically believing that recent, recent events are more likely to occur than they actually are, um, I'll give you an example. You know, a year after major, you know, stock market gains, many investors, they take on a lot more risk because they believe that the gains will last forever. And then they do the opposite when the market's down, right? When the market's down. And so basically all they're basically doing is putting themselves in that cycle 
of buying high and then selling low. And it's just based on that short-term recency bias. All right. And so we've talked about a few. We've talked about overconfidence. That's a bias. Loss aversion. Confirmation bias. And recency bias. A couple of more before we uh, uh, move on. So then there's what is called the endowment effect. And that's basically the tendency to place more value on an investment that you own compared to the price that it can be purchased and or sold at on the open market. And that's generally when you've inherited a stock from uh, your father and he got it from his father's and then his father got it from his father. And um, now you have it. And even though it's hasn't performed well, may not perform well, there's just that uh, tendency to, to stick with it, right? Kind of like a family business, right? An investor, basically, they value their shares of, of having it more than the actual current market price. And that is called the endowment effect. And then last is what is called op- optimism bias. And that's the belief that your chances of experiencing negative events are lower and your chances of experiencing positive events are higher than the averages. Let me give you an example. Many investors believe that if they just have good returns over the short term, that they'll be much happier and better off in the future, right? So they focus on that short term. I call it a short term dopamine hit where they utilize that that uh, optimism bias because they bought a stock and they saw it jump up uh, for a month, two months, three months, whatever that may be. And they just assume that the chances of experience that positive, positive, positive event again will continue. Right. But we all know in investing, whether it's a short term gain, a short term loss, whatever that may be, we all, at least we all should know that it's about the long term, having a long term plan, having a long term vision. All right, so those, my friends, are the cognitive biases or behavioral finance, whatever you want to call it, the investor psychology that takes away from those long-term investment returns. And really, it causes investors to make the wrong decision. They make it at at the wrong time, and they do it all the time. And this is why they lag the market. We talked about the $100,000 investment. Average individual investor doesn't grow it as much as the S&P 500. You have to be objective when it comes to investing retirement. So there you go. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into D's tax corner. You are listening to the Marcus Warren show. This is a nice little ditty. This is a Rihanna, right? My girl Riri. And this song is Umbrella. Came out in 2007. Number one in the U.S. and the U.K. It's a big hit. And uh, Rihanna 
is um, uh, don't you have a baby bump or something? Pregnant? That's right. Okay, pregnant. She is. Uh, how old is she uh, today, by the way? She is 33 years young today. 33. There you go. Wait, 34. 34. There we there go. There you go. Anyway, welcome back to the show. The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. The retirement rescue game plan. It will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg. We're talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk you got to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, all you have to do is go to Warren wealth.net and you'll get that free packet of information delivered free of charge to your front door. Hey, fun fact, as of 2021, Rihanna is the wealthiest female musician with an estimated net worth of $1.7 billion. There you go. And it's not from music, of course. It's not from There's music. There's no uh, That's right. billionaires who just made it from being an artiste. Oh. Got to be a businessman. That's right. Or a woman. There we go. Speaking of that, let's get into Tax Corner with a D. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Okay, so for today's... Or woman. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Okay, <laughs> so for today's Tax Corner, um, I wanted to talk about something that I saw on TV. And I usually don't watch a lot of TV, but I just came across this commercial that I thought was... Really weird. It was for a crypto IRA. Okay. Crypto IRA. So what is a crypto IRA? Well, it's a IRA Mm -hmm. that is in the metaverse. That's exactly (laughs) not right. Actually, a crypto IRA is just another name for a self-directed IRA, which allows individuals to invest in alternative asset classes like real estate, precious metals, and now course, cryptocurrency. Those are generally excluded from traditional IRAs. Um, The Retirement Industry Trust Association uh, estimates that currently between three to five percent of all IRAs are invested in alternative assets, so it's very low still. Um, How does a crypto IRA work? Well, it works kind of like a normal IRA, except you're investing your money in cryptocurrency instead of mutual funds or stocks or whatever else you might be invested in. So you can choose, same as a, a traditional IRA, you can choose between traditional or the Roth tax uh, portions of the self-directed IRAs, same with crypto IRAs. You do still have the annual contribution limits, $6,000 if you're under 50, 7000 if you're over 50. Of course, um, you can roll over 401k assets into a self-directed IRA as well, and then invest it into crypto, I guess. Mm-hmm. So... This is the way, because crypto is is on and is sold and bought on an exchange, there still co- becomes an exchange portion that has to come in with the crypto IRA. So you've got first your custodian, your TD Ameritrade, your Schwab, your uh, Fidelity that's going to hold the asset, hold yep. the IRA. But then the actual crypto transactions are going to have to happen on an exchange like Coinbase or I can't think of FTX. any other ones. There we go. Yes. But crypto.com, those Super Bowl commercials yes. that, you know, there we sheesh. go. Yes, I know. None yeah. of them worked on me, obviously. <laughs> so the way that this is this is being sold is, is hey, if you're already a crypto investor, don't you want to get this money tax-free, right? Because you put it in an IRA, 
And with an IRA, it's going to be tax deferred, obviously. So you don't pay taxes as the money grows. You're going to end up having to pay taxes when you begin to make those withdrawals. You're still going to be subject to RMDs at age 72. Um, you're still going to have the penalty if you take it out early. Um, also being sold as having a potential for high returns. Well, you said potential. Yes. Now, the only thing about crypto, and yes. I know this is your your uh, your tax, cor- tax corner, the only thing about crypto is that it's just highly volatile. Yes. Um, you know, having it in any kind of, uh, really any kind of account, whether it's an IRA or just an individual account, you have to, whatever money you invest, you have to be willing to not have it when you need it the most, whether that's at retirement or when you need to spend it. Um, you know, people can go in and and, uh, and deal with that and, and can accept the fact that, hey, one moment it uh, might be worth this, the next moment it might be worth 50% or 70% less. And um, they don't let the cognitive biases that I talked about in the last segment get to them, you know, the, the psychology get to them, then maybe they should do it. But I always want to throw that disclaimer on there. Well, that was that was really the main issue that I had with this whole concept of a crypto IRAs, because when you think of IRAs, you're thinking of retirement and retirement assets. And uh, the one thing about retirement assets is that, like you said, you shouldn't be investing in these risky investments um, because you're going to need that money to live on when you retire. I think the biggest thing is this. I, I think that, um, you know, especially in an IRA, I mean, I guess, I guess if, 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 um, if this gamble, I think it's more gambling, gambling, it's more uh, speculation uh, than anything. And I think that, um, yeah, you have a Roth IRA and you have some Bitcoin in there or cryptocurrency, whatever it may be. Um, um, you know, may, you know, maybe it's just a big gamble. Maybe you, you, uh, uh, you know, hit it uh, where it could be the Vinkel yeah, West right. twins, or 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 um, Peter Thiel, who yeah. you know put his uh, his company stock when it was you know a, a half a cent, and now he has you know over billions of dollars in a Roth IRA. Um, you know, maybe that that can work for you know some sort of cryptocurrency in a Roth IRA, but once again, you just have to understand that these things are highly volatile and from a, from a perspective of betting on that. And, and, and that's what it is. You're, you're betting on it for that to be around and be viable upon your retirement is just a, a, a risky uh, proposition. It's just uh, to me a, a little too risky um, to put a good portion of your assets. And I really hate that there, there are all these commercials about, crypto and, uh, you know, blockchain and, and, you know, all of these exchanges that are really, that are really soliciting to, um, you know, the, that average individual investor Mm -hmm. who doesn't even do well investing in mutual funds and regular stocks, much less thinking that they're going to be successful in investing in, uh, uh, any kind of, of, of cryptocurrency, especially after we saw the the dot com bubble burst where um, the internet ended up doing okay and all this online stuff ended up being fantastic. But there was a big bubble that had to burst and the market was down for three straight years, by the way. And it weeded out all of uh, the companies at the time that uh, were, that basically had no fundamentals, right? And I think we're going to see the same thing with all of these 
cryptocurrencies, NFTs, all these all these things that are out there, and people are just betting. They're just trying to jump on. And we 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 did a segment on this a long time ago where where we talked about there's what thirty five hundred cryptocurrencies out there, yeah. thirty five hundred, mm-hmm. and, and probably counting, right? And so there's going to be a big shakeup where some of these, a lot of these things are going to go to zero. And then the dust to settle, and then you'll end up having a solid, a decent foundation for cryptocurrencies moving forward, just like the same way that it happened with the internet and the internet stocks and, and, and the World Wide Web at the time. Um, there had to be a, a great reckoning before things started propping up. Um, and so, how, so, so, you, so you have it outside of a, a crypto, outside of an IRA, um, from a tax standpoint, how are these things taxed are they is the tax just like any kind of uh, stock or well, well I guess there's two it depends so first if you are it is it is a capital asset so if you hold let's say I purchase bitcoin for a certain amount when I purchase it and then later I sell uh, bitcoin for a higher amount whatever that gain is is what I'll have to pay capital gains tax on however if I get paid in Bitcoin because I completed somebody's tax return and they pay me in Bitcoin, which, hey, would be nice. Uh, one, one Bitcoin per tax return. Um, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> then that is counted as income to me because I received it as a payment for services. And so it's taxed as ordinary income. And the crazy thing at, about that. Yes, yes. Go ahead. Valued at, at the, the time, time. <laughs> that I receive it. So yeah. if it's worth $100,000 today and then $50,000 tomorrow, which with Bitcoin is likely, <laughs> then I still have to pay taxes on what it was worth at the time I received it. Yes. That is one of the reasons. And there's a lot of people, by the way, not a lot of people. It's, it's not, really not at all. But there have been some notable um, people who have decided to take uh, their their salaries as uh, in, in Bitcoin. Uh, mm-hmm. I know there was a, a couple of uh, major league players, people in the uh, uh, who play, uh, play a, a baseball, professional baseball. Um, and I bet they're not too excited about that, especially because just like you said, if you receive it um, and Bitcoin, just like you said, say it's $100,000 and you receive your Bitcoin at $100,000 and you paid in, it's fantastic. But Bitcoin right now is, you know, trading at about 35 or so thousand dollars. I'm not sure. I haven't checked it. Uh, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's just a highly volatile asset. And if you have to pay taxes on receiving it as income, bad bad deal. And just to tie, you know, what you you were saying earlier together too about cognitive biases and the fact that we saw, I don't know, at least three commercials during the Super Bowl that that were cryptocurrency exchanges. And so all this uh, you get you're getting uh, this flood of information and advertising. You know, you've got athletes taking salary in Bitcoin. It's kind of it's on the news. The ticker symbol at the bottom of CNBC and Fox includes Bitcoin prices. You see all that and and as a, like you're talking about an individual investor, you're like, man, maybe this is something that I need to get into because I keep seeing it everywhere. I keep seeing the stuff everywhere about crypto. Maybe a crypto IRA is a good idea, right? Mm. Because I now I'm seeing commercials for crypto IRAs and I'm close to retirement and maybe is this what I should do? Right. Yeah. And you're laughing over there. Well, right? because, because it, it was, they had all, I say all of the um, you know, the Coinbase and, and crypto.com and FTX, all, all of those uh, uh, companies that were advertising during the Super Bowl just put it all out to, to all, all of the marks mm-hmm. out there who are 
going to just jump in and be devastated. By the way, um, Odell, Beckham, Odell Beckham Jr., who played in the Super, Super Bowl. Super Bowl champ. Um, he was taking part of his salary in, in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another Carolina Panthers player who took a half of his um, uh, salary in, in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, the mayor of New York City mayor. took part of his salary uh, in he's, Bitcoin. He's, he's and a, then it went down right after he got paid, yeah, just it, like you're saying. Right now, right now, there's five NFL players, four NBA players, and one baseball player who are taking uh, a good chunk of their yeah. money in Bitcoin. Well, you hear all that and you're like, Hey, maybe this is a good idea. And by the way, when they received it, Mm -hmm. talk about salary. Yeah. Oh. Big, big fail. Anyway, thank you, D, for that. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Or woman. Coming up next, we got news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. I wonder what this song is called. <laughs> the song is called Don't Stop the Music. And it's by Rihanna, and it is her birthday today. This song also came out in 2007. Number three in the U.S., number four in the U.K. Top ten hits. Here you go. All right, we're going to uh, stop this music because you're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. And remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. That's warrenwealth.net. There you will get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in retirement, and you can simply get that delivered free of charge to your front door by going to warrenwealth.net. Once again, that is warrenwealth.net. Now it is time for some news you can use. Well, Sales of real estate topped $500 million last year and could double this year. And no, I'm not talking about real real estate. I'm talking about real estate in the metaverse. Real estate on the four major metaverse platforms reached $501 million in 2021, according to Meta Metric Solutions. Sales in January topped $85 million. Uh, the metaverse data provi- uh, provider said um, it, it projects that... Uh, at this pace, sales could reach nearly $1 billion I do not in understand that. That is, that is so odd to me that this virtual real estate is even... I, I just don't understand it. I'm not, I guess I'm just too old. I, like, like that is... I mean, there's, there's it's not a tangible asset. It's not really, you know, anything. I mean, I guess the same could be said about having a stock in a company. That's not, you know, you don't get to hold the stock certificates anymore. But back in the day, you did get to hold the stock certificates. But, um, but this is just beyond that. This is crazy. It really is kind of wild. There's over a dozen platforms that are now selling real estate in the metaverse. Uh, new ones sprouting up just... almost weekly. Of course, uh, so because far... it's another hustle. People see these 
you know, these sharks see blood in the water, and that blood is these naive uh, speculators who are buying up this crap. Yeah. I'm just call it what it is. I mean, what are we talking it's, about? It, it, well, it's 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 a range from um, uh, co- companies to to individuals. So, Republic Realm uh, they paid a record four point three million dollars for land in the largest metaverse real estate it's, platform called Sandbox. They're they're developing one hundred islands called Fantasy Islands with their own villas and, of course, boats and jet skis. Um, 90 of the islands sold on the first day for $15,000 each, and some are now being listed uh, for resale for more than $100,000. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I, just like I said, I, it's over my head. I don't understand it. It's ridiculous. And it's just, it's just like, you, I don't know. you have to use the specific plat. So there's, you know, four big uh, platforms that sell the, the metaverse real estate. You have to use specific ones to purchase specific things. For example, somebody yeah. purchased so. uh, a plot of land next door to Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I heard about that. And, and paid $450,000. Yeah. And what, what does that mean? Is it only available in that one specific uh, 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 metaverse? It's not available in yeah. other metaverses. Do you have to, if you want to be neighbors yeah. with Snoop Dogg in another metaverse, know. do you buy it for another? Oh, no. Amount of money. Well, let's. Uh, what else you got? Okay, let's move on. Uh, Frontier Airlines and Spirit Air- Airlines, the two largest low-cost carriers in the U.S., they have agreed to merge, creating what's now going to become the fifth largest airline in the country. Uh, the boards of both companies approved the deal over uh, last weekend, prior to the CEO of both airlines uh, an- a- announcing the agreement, valued at six point six billion dollars. It's structured with uh, Frontier controlling 51.5% and Spirit controlling the remaining 48.5%. Of course, still to be determined who is going to be the CEO, what the new combined uh, carrier will be called, the location of the headquarters. Uh, But the chair of the new airline is Bill Frankie, who's currently the chair of Frontier, managing partner of its parent company, Indigo Partners. Um, Frankie said the combined carrier will create America's most competitive Ultra fair, uh, ultra low fare airline for the benefit of consumers. Yep, they can keep that. Uh, I will. Uh, I flew uh, Spirit once. Uh, wasn't a big fan, mm. and um, not going to do that again. So, uh, good luck to your Frontier and Spirit. But uh, <laughs> I will not be on your airplanes. It's uh, a little too, uh, um, little too low budget, budget. A little too low budget. Mm-hmm. You know, you get what you pay for. That's yes. all I got to say. Right. All right, let's do another. Okay, shares of uh, payment processing company Shift4 surged in trading after the company announced a five-year partnership with who else other than SpaceX's Starlink satellite internet service. So Starlink is SpaceX's project to uh, build an interconnected internet network through thousands of satellites um, designed to deliver high-speed internet to consumers everywhere. They've uh, focused on delivering some high-speed internet service to rural areas that don't get traditional um, high-speed internet. Um, Elon Musk's company has launched uh, over 1,700 Starlink satellites to date, and the network has more than 100,000 users in 14 countries who are participating in a beta of the service priced at $99 a month. Um, Shift4, of course, the partnership with Shift4 Payment Processing um, is going to uh, allow for the company to process the payments for the internet service. Um, And now CEO of Shift4, Jared Isaacman, is connected to SpaceX a little bit as well because uh, he's purchased some private 
I thought he went to space with them. He did. He? He's or purchased, no. yes, he's purchased some of those private commercial space flights. Um, completed one last year. He's purchased three more to be completed coming up, including one more this year. There you go. That's, you know, what uh, people with money can do. Just right. uh, purchase space flights and make more money. There you go. Thank you, D, for that news. You can use, and if we left you with that, that would be enough. But we got to give you what you want, and we know what you want. Everyone wants the news you can't use. All right. Well, Terry Robinson, 64-year-old gentleman, has his retirement plan all figured out. He's a resident of Spring, Texas. Bitcoin. Nope, actually not not this time, no. He is challenging the idea that he has to go live in a retirement home. He says he would rather live in a Holiday Inn. So he... Sounds expensive to me. Outlined his... Well, he actually outlined his plan in a a Facebook post and said with the average cost of nursing home care costing $188 per day, there's a better way when we get old and too feeble. I've already checked reservations at the Holiday Inn for a combined long-term stay discount and senior discount. It's $59 a night, which leaves about $128 for lunch, dinner, uh, of course, room service, laundry, gratuities, special TV movies. Of course, when you're staying in a hotel, you get the spa, swimming pool, workout, okay. workout room, you said lounge, spa. You said Holiday washers, Inn dryer. and spa in the same I sentence. Did. That's not where people go for a spa day. Hey, um, honey, let's go to the... Or hey, let's take a girl's night out and, or get a girl's day out and go to the spa. Where? At the Holiday Inn. Well, if That's you're never been said. Working on a low budget, said. the spa yeah. is free at the Holiday Inn. No, it's not. Um, he says, you know, you, you pay the staff or give the staff a little bit of a tip and and they're going to cater to you they treat you like a customer not a patient so he was doing his little comparison of um whether staying at the holiday inn would it's not bad. yeah it's not bad it's you know about 17 1800 bucks a, a month and you get just a laundry mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A spa mm-hmm. and all that other stuff yeah and then you know tv broken light bulbs need changing mattress replaced That's no true. problem they'll there do it go. for you you're right That's and apologize a, for the inconvenience there you go holiday inn retirement homes thank you d for that news <laughs> you can't use and we all know what that music means it means we've come to the end of the show I want to thank everyone for listening have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren show for more information or to request your retirement toolkit contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.